Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, we'll have mostly open phone lines like we do on a lot of Fridays. But um, we'll be speaking with uh, McNeese play-by-play announcer. We... We kind of we talk to him each week during this football season, and then the holidays kind of got um, changed up a little bit. But um, big win for the Cowboys last night, so we'll be t- talking to our friend Tom Hafer about ten fifteen. And other than that, it'll be open phone lines. We haven't <clears throat> we've kind of talked about the NFL schedule going into the last week, but. B- because of everything going on with the Buffalo Bills and the Monday night game, we really we've talked more about NFL non football issues a little more than we have the actual week schedule or or any of that and 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 the aftermath of of the Saints situation going in, you know, being eliminated and all. So uh, we'll be talking more about the actual schedules and games and stuff somewhat today and certainly um i would love to hear any thoughts that people have about the national championship game on monday and we'll be talking about that monday as well but it's certainly not too early to start that i i mean i could be fooling myself but i i think that tcu's got a better shot than some people are giving them now, can they? Can anybody stop anybody? I mean, I didn't see too many te- people stopping too many people in the semifinal games. And again, I, I think that's I think that's awful. But um, you know, Georgia hadn't. It's been a while since Georgia looked as dominant on defense as they have for most of the last two seasons. So they they have shown the ability to move the football on them, and TCU can move the football. And so I I think it's going to be um, – has a chance. Look, if this is a good game in terms of – and I don't know that it will. I just think it has a better chance than, than a lot of people that I've heard. If it's a good game, I mean, I don't have all of it in my mind. But if this is a good game in terms of – since they went to this format, the two semifinals and the finals, this will be the best one we've had. Because we haven't had three really close games. Most, at least one or two of them, sometimes all three of them, were just complete blowouts. So um, I, think this would, I think this would be the best one, unless I'm forgetting one. And if I am, help me out there. But So any of that, certainly. Last night, Cajuns at the Cajun Dome. Uh, someone told me as we were walking in, uh, how ugly do you think this is going to be? And I and I think the thought process there was, you know, 
Southern Miss is 13-2 and and 2-0 and and, and we're playing really well and the Cajuns did not play as well, have lost three in a row and a lot of people frustrated and I, I'm like, well, I expect the Cajuns to win. I think they're going to win. Now, I didn't know I didn't know they would never trail in the game and win by double figures, but I'm not surprised they won by double figures because if you have anything to you, and and I'm not saying they're going to finish first or second. I, I I was surprised that they were picked first, and I, you know I don't I don't know how they'll do. I, I think they'll do fine, but obviously they're better than zero and two. They're better in coastal. They just blew it. Um, but if, if you have anything, if you're a pretty good club and you lose two games on the road against teams that you most would say you should have at least went one and one, if not two and oh, then you, and you come in home, you got to win that game. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. You got to win that game. And so um, that that's kind of what happened. And look, Southern Miss, if you didn't see the game, essentially what I think happened was Southern Miss said, look, we're going to – the best thing the Cajuns have is their inside game, although they can shoot to three. But Southern Miss did a very good job against the Cajuns' top three scorers. Jordan Brown, Terrence Lewis, and Greg Williams combined for 24 points. They each scored eight points. Exactly. It wasn't an average. They each scored eight points. That was it. On 33% shooting. Eight for 24. So, if you had told me yesterday, now, I I, I really thought the Cages were going to win. But if you would have told me before the game that the top three scores are going to average, are going to total 24 points, Eight points a game on 33% shooting. I said, hmm. So the way it happened, again, I'm not some, I, I thought the Cajuns would win. I expected them to come out and really play well. And they played really hard. Now, again, their top three scores, Southern Miss did a good job against. But uh, Kentrell Garnett was, was fabulous, had a career high 20 points, and Themis Folks was really good. He was seven. He hadn't been shooting as well. And that was one of the questions that I asked Coach Marlin in the um, Monday, or when was that? Tuesday presser, I guess, this week because of New Year's Day, but uh, hot weekend. But, you know, Themis had, had been shooting, but not he hadn't been shooting a good percentage. Last night he was seven of nine. He finished. And not only did he create by penetrating, he finished. And um, so, low. it was a great win. The Cajuns win by 14. They never trailed. It was 2-2 two to two really early in the game. And, and when they scored the next bucket, they never trailed again. It was never tied again, and they never trailed. So, they, you know, they it was just a, essentially wire to wire. Um, and then they play a Georgia State team on Saturday. Now, we've talked for yesterday about rivals quite a bit. Georgia State last year got off to this start that surprised they were 0-4. And they came to the Cajun home, and I remember being on this show right here saying, well, I don't like this situation. I do. You're playing a team that's supposed to be good. 
They're off to an 0-4 start, and they're way better than that. And then they're coming to the Cajun Dome, and they've owned the Cajuns for a while now. And I'm like, this has trouble written all over. And, of course, they won. And, of course, they got their act together and ended up winning the, you know, the Sunbelt Tournament and, and going to the NCAA Tournament. So, now, that coaching staff is now at SMU. And the Cajuns won at SMU earlier this year. And and here they go again. Not 0-4, but they're 0-3. Coming to the Cajun Dome, 0-3. Kind of similar to coming to the Cajun Dome at 0-4 last year. The difference is that this team's just not as good. They weren't picked as high. They weren't supposed to be as good. They got a new coaching staff during a transition season. So it's still Georgia State. You know, the Cajuns, again, have lost nine of their last 11 meetings with Georgia State. Could have, should have, would have beat them all three games last year, especially the one, ironically, the one that they really should have won, the most should have won, was the game on the road in Atlanta last year. Um, That was the game that, that Kobe re-injured himself. So I, I feel much better about the 0-3 Georgia State coming to the Cajun Dome this year than I felt last year when 0-4 Georgia State came to the Cajun Dome. But it was a nice win for the Cajuns, and if they can get one, get the win tomorrow night, you know, it doesn't erase the 0-2 start, but it at least allows you to not feel like, you know, you're just got this huge uphill climb. And then if you can just... You know, you'll have four straight in a row if you could at least go two and two in those four. I mean, obviously, if you do better, that's great. But if if you could at least win two of those next four games and then you come home and 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 the rest of the way you, you, you have way more home games than road games, and, and then you got a shot to, you know, you may not win the league, but you'll be in the upper three or so and, and, and have a good seed going into the conference tournament so it was a good night for the Cajuns last night um and it was also good I feel better that they went out and won with defense rather than go out and just hit you know 15 threes and just have this great offensive performance because we've seen them do that but we haven't seen a lot of great defense and it happened and, and again it just goes to show you going in the Cajuns were last in the Sunbelt Conference, 14th out of 14 in, in, in field goal percentage defense. And, and Southern Miss was first in field goal percentage defense. And, of course, the Cajuns outperformed them. Uh, the Cajuns shot ended up shooting 50% from the field for the game. And, and Southern Miss, I think it was like 37. So, good win. The women lost a heartbreaker in Hattiesburg. They were leading a lot of the game, maybe most of the game. Miss two, they're up one, and they're at the free throw line with 15 seconds, and miss both free throws. If you make both of them, it was a, it was neither team's offense had much rhythm at all the whole night. If you make both of them, you're up three with 15 seconds, and you got an excellent chance of, I mean, an excellent chance to win. You know, you you got probably a 90 percent chance of winning at that point, and um, Miss both free throws. Got to make free throws. Got to make field goals. Got to make free throws. I just, those are the, just the two. Got to make free throws. Got to make free throws. Got to make field goals. The makeable ones. Now, again, if you're shooting outdoors and the wind's blowing, 
That's one thing. But ain't too many basketball games played outdoors. You know, the old Hoosiers thing, it's the same distance, same height. I mean, make it. But didn't happen, and that, was, that would have been a tremendous win. I did not expect the Cajun women to win. I, I, I didn't. Uh, and I didn't think they would lose by one point either. <clears throat> but they really led for most of the game and very easily could have won. And that's a tough way to lose at the free throw line. But it is a critical, critical part of the game. No question about that. All right. We will. That kind of sets the stage. We'll be um, taking a timeout. When we come, we will go back to the NFL, talk about some of the big decisions that were made uh, since we are that we think are about to be made since we left the show yesterday and more on the NFL going into the final weekend of the regular season. We'll be back on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Want to remind you about the Lundy Graw Barathon. Monday, February the 20th, it's a four-mile race through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course. Party bus will... Be close behind, so you have options. You can run the whole race, or you can run some of the race and then rest on the party bus, or you can um, spend the whole time on the party bus and just kind of follow along and not really run or rock any of the race. Totally up to you. The audience will vote on the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends along for the ride. It's the Lundy Graw Barathon. Register now at latrail.org. All right. If you have not heard, there was a um, an update on Demar Hamlin this morning. The breathing tube is out. He had been on a breathing t- tube since Monday night. No longer need of it. He's now breathing fully on his own. So, you know, there's been mostly all good news and any updates that we've got. But that's like really, really good news. That's like an more than just he's doing better. It's, I mean, I guess you never know what's going to happen, but it, you, you feel like, you know, he's gotten through it. Like, so at least that's the feeling anyway when you hear news like that. So that is tremendous. Um, The idea that, or the what was really revealed yesterday that, when he came to and he still had the breathing tube in and he was able to write and his first comment was, did we win? That's just, that's just awesome. That's just, that is um, tremendous stuff. So that is the case. Now, because of that situation, and by the way, I don't know when it's going to be, but when we 
when we hear when when when, it, when he realizes everything that's going on since Monday. And, you know, I don't know that he'll get it all right away. But that first interview with him is going to be something to hear what he has to say. It, it's going to be uh, – that's going to be wild. But um, the as far as what the NFL is going to do, NFL was in a tough position. Uh, it, it was you, – you wanted – you have to weigh being human – and sympathetic and compassionate to a brutal situation. And you also have to be fair to as many teams as you can. And the NFL is not really into being fair. I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but their schedule their schedule this week isn't fair. I mean, you know, there this is like one of the rare times that they're actually trying to be fair. One of the rare times. It took one of their players almost dying for the NFL to say, you know what, maybe we ought to try to be fair. I mean, that like like normally they don't even, that's not even on the table for the NFL. But what they're trying to do and they're going to vote on it, I, I, would, I would think it would pass. I, I guess I don't really know. The, you know, all the teams have to vote. All the owners for all the teams have to vote on this. But essentially, if the teams that are impacted – by not playing this game Monday night between the Bengals and the Bills, uh, meet in the championship game instead of having one of them getting the holes or the other one getting the holes. They're talking about playing at a neutral site. That that's what's uh, the proposal that's going to be voted on today. The other thing that part of that is if the Ravens beat the Bengals. If the Ravens beat the Bengals Sunday, they will have swept them for the regular season. And yet they would be a half a game out because Monday's game wasn't played. In that scenario, they're gonna there's gonna be a coin flip as part of this proposal. There would be a coin flip to determine home field advantage. So it would at least give the Ravens a 50-50 shot, theoretically, of hosting if they sweep. Now if the Bengals win Sunday against the Ravens, then all, that's out the window. That doesn't apply anymore because there'll be a game and a half ahead of them. So it wouldn't matter, and they wouldn't have swept them, and they wouldn't. It wouldn't matter. So um, that's something else to keep in mind. There was this other theory that was out there that was floated. I heard yesterday afternoon for the first time, and I'm like, "What? What are y'all talking about?" I was like, "What are y'all talking about?" And it was about, like, adding an eighth playoff team. But I have heard zero talk nationally about it. I mean, I've seen tweets about it. But, like, <clears throat> like this morning, getting up and watching ESPN, the, you know, and get up and, and these shows that are talk, you know, they, they haven't mentioned it. They didn't mention it one time. So I don't, I don't, I think that's, I don't, I don't really know where all that came from. And I'm not saying someone just made it up, but I don't. It doesn't seem like anybody who's close to the situation is putting much stock into that anyway. So we're not even going to go down that road. But, <clears throat> I mean, I guess it's all fair. I mean, it's just, I guess that would be as fair as you can make it. And so I, it, it's nice that at least for once, I mean, it's a shame that it took one of their players almost dying, but at least for once the NFL endeavored to be fair and so 
But I think part of the reason why is, again, this is a unique situation. There's so many eyes. There's so many people having to do what's in the sports realm and our sports fans and, and, and to people who were not who really couldn't care that much about sports, who were all paying attention to this. So too many eyes on this, I think, and to 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 not at least try to be fair. And so we'll see what happens. Now, again, some of this is contingent on the results of this weekend. Like if Buffalo loses and Kansas City wins, then some of that, you know, that that's this stuff's not gonna happen. And if the Bengals win, this stuff's not gonna happen. So it's all contingent upon the results of this weekend's games. And none of us know how these teams are going to perform any week, much less with some of the emotional obstacles and that have been going on since Monday night's game. So very interesting. Um, I mentioned earlier that even th- that this week's schedule isn't even fair. And what I mean by that is you have some teams – that are contingent usually like if they're t- if one, this team needs that team to win they play them at the same time but like they put the pa- they're so worried about Aaron Rodgers and and the Packers and them being on that there 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 are um like the game there are teams that determine that that impact making the playoffs that are going to be played before Detroit and Green Bay even play. Like like the the Jacksonville-Tennessee game, for instance, It's it, it kind of stands on its own. It's kind of mano a mano for that division title. They're not linked to other games. So that should have been the game that was put on Sunday night, not on Saturday. The, all the other games that are linked together – they should be playing at the same time, but they, they didn't do that. They're more worried about Aaron Rodgers being on national TV on Sunday night and the whole Packers thing. They just they just they just don't, you know, again, normally they're pretty good at this on the last week, but they didn't even do that right. But I, I think the NFL did make some points and how they how they've handled the whole Bills. DeMar Hamlin, Bengals, canceled game situation. So we'll, um, you know, and I, I, I really, I've said it all week. I don't think the, I don't think you're going to hear any complaining about the Bills from the Bills. Now there might be some other teams who are not directly involved, although everyone's somewhat involved, um, to the situation because you know it's affected a lot of people. It's not just the the Bills and or the Bengals that that felt impacted by this. Um, there'll be some other teams in fan bases that'll be a little upset, I would think. But um, I don't think the Bills are, and and I would think that they're right now they're they're on the top of the list of that of that scenario. All right, so let's go through. We do this every year. <clears throat> How many of these game division games at the end of the year are um, or have any meaning? You know, the poll question I heard. was do you care if the Saints win? And it's a sad statement that I think it was sixty only 60% said they care. Just a little over half of the people that voted said they care if the Saints win it. But see, that's the problem with not 
having any historical perspective to things. You know, most people want to just dismiss history. Like, like it, it's one, I mean, I want to win now and I want to make the playoffs every year and all that, but that's like the, I guess you would say the biggest goal, but not very far in there. I want, I want the Saints to win the all-time season series when I die, we'll have won more games in these teams against as many teams as possible, especially the teams in my division and, and uh, especially teams that have given, provided much angst in my life, like, you know, all the times they've been cheated by the, by the, by the, um, by the Arnolds. And so uh, I, I, that's just crazy to me. To think, well, I don't want my. It's not important for me, my team to win. That's just, I, I just, I can't even, I can't even fathom it. It just doesn't, it just doesn't click for me at all. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. It's, it's the, it's the wanna be right. It's the, you know, with the whole Dennis Allen thing. You know, like you had people basically, oh, he's gonna get five, he's gonna get five. But <laughs> hey, man, that was a play. Uh, I think the Cleveland game when they won that game. I think one of the uh, defensive one of the uh, defensive players hugged him. Yeah, Malcolm. Like, nah, man, they they really they really fight for that man. They really plan for that uh, man. He's he's not going anywhere. He's going to be back. Uh, I agree. So I always thought that talk was premature in a sense. I never felt that he lost the locker room. Any, I, I just didn't feel that. You know, when you follow a team, like you said, I've been following the team since '86. When you follow a team, you know what I'm saying, right? You know what's up in a sense. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, they're, gotta, they're not going to make a move of that per se. Now, if Sean Payton come calling back, I'm sure they're going, they're going to listen to him. Hopefully, I don't want Sean Payton back, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't mean that, uh, you know, I, he was a great coach, but I just think, you know, it's time to move on. Um, you know, he left. So, hey, it's time to move on. But um, you're right, man. Kevin, I can watch a game, like the game, uh, like the same game, Cleveland. That was on Christmas Eve, right? <clears throat> yes, sir. My mind took me back to 1994 when they played, I think, who was that, the Broncos on Christmas Eve? Yeah, the, like the Torrance Small game? Yeah, hey, man, it's like little things like yeah. that. And, and it's just uh, – It's about – that's what being, a, like fa- that, that's what being a real fan is, yes. Having all those well, you know, thoughts and memories. I don't really consider myself a fan, per se, but I'm just <clears> – I'm, I'm more of an, an observer. That's, that's the word I like. Well, to I understand. Use. But um, but you still have a historical perspective to viewing sports. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, I I, <laughs> I base I was having a conversation with someone. I based most of the things based off like what grade I was in. I know it's kind of weird, <laughs> or what grade I was going to if it happened in the summer. Right. But, um. Yeah, man. Hey, man. I, I feel you, man. And it's almost like, you know, I'm not brown nosing. You know, it's not my thing. But it's almost like I have a, a greater respect for you this year, this season. Uh, your your analysis, your breaking down, just being more calm and cool. You know what I'm saying? I just just little over emotional, over hype. Let's get rid of everyone. This and that. I, that's that's played out, man. And, that, and that's the new era of sports talk, man. Right. And, and I'm scared. That I'm just I'm getting old, man. And I'm and you know I, I I cherish it, but sports talk is just getting too microwavable for me. And let me shut up before I get in trouble. All right. right thank you. Th- thank you. No, look, th- this whole idea that if you lose, you're great. I mean, if you lose, you're terrible. You win, you're great. I just, I've never been in that. Look, 
it hit me since we talked my conversation with Luke yesterday. We might, I don't know if we'll get all the way into this, but we can we can talk about how much better the Saints have supposedly looked in the last um you know, these last three or four weeks. I mean, they've looked okay. The problem is the only the, the essentially the only difference is they're not turning over the football. Early in the season, they were turning over the football. When you turn over the football, you usually lose. And when you don't, if you're pretty good in most areas, then you're going to probably win. <clears throat> you know, it's just like some of these losses that they had earlier in the season, if they just, you know, a lot of us are mad at Mark Ingram and we'll be mad at Mark Ingram for the rest of our lives because of that incredibly stupid thing he did of running out of bounds. But what about fumbling it at the eight-yard line going in against Tampa in like week two or three, whenever that was at the beginning of the season? I mean, that, 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 that was what started this avalanche of turnovers in the first half of the season. It's as simple as if you don't turn over the ball, then they have a winning record and they will have already won the division, even if Mark Ingram did what he did. So, I mean, you know, this idea of this is great and this is terrible. And, you know, I remember the Saints lost two games in a row, which two it was. They lost to the Cheaters and the Yucks. And I'm like, and, you know, people, oh, they're awful and, they're, and this is terrible. I'm like, these last two games have been the first time they've looked like a real football team all season. And they lost both games. You know, they the week before, they, like, they, they play well against the Rams. They look terrible against the Rams. They were terrible in that game. Horrible. Now, they won, and I was glad that they won, but they still look terrible. They look much better against the Cheaters, much better. And they didn't even score a point, and they look much better than they did against the, the Rams. They just still look like a clown show team. It's like, what am I watching? How can, we, how can they be this bad? And they get beat 13 nothing in Cheaterville, and I'm like, man, this is the first time I look like a team in a while. And, and they played great against the Yucks until Bozo ran out of bounds short of the front and everything fell apart. But for the most part in that game, they look like a real team two weeks in a row. And they haven't lost since. But, yeah, no, that, that that's true. And to, to not want to win against the Arnolds, I can't even fathom that. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. If you didn't like all the presents you got for Christmas and like some people don't like getting stuff like socks and underwears and clothes. I love it because that that's less shopping I have to do. And so I hate to shop like I never, ever. I cannot even remember. Because I just don't care that much about it, but. I cannot even remember the last time I went to the store and bought clothes for myself. Like, if someone ain't buying for me, I'm, you know, 
That's just that ain't happened. So birthdays, anniversary, Christmas. If I don't get closed in, then I, I, you know, I don't know. I'll be wearing shirts from 20 years ago because I ain't going shopping for that. that. That's a waste of time in my mind. But anyway, if you didn't like all your gifts, maybe you would like to win some of the gifts that you can get by joining the Rewards Club, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou or a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard. How about this? A $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. That I would I, I would really like to win. Unfortunately, I can't, but you can. So if you, if you would like to win any of these great prizes, understand that you can't do it if you don't join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today by going to 1037thegame.com, 1041 TheGame.com today. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. <clears throat> oh, it didn't wait long enough. Look, I get it. It's like me in traffic. Sometimes you just get impatient. I get it. But if you would like to get back, um, get on, just just call back. All right. I, you know, I've been trying to rack my brain all season to make sense of what's going on in this Saints season that's just been so frustrating. And even yesterday when we had Luke on, um, I had questions that I asked Luke, and we both were like, we just we just don't get it. We just cannot. It just doesn't make any sense. How can this be? All right, so let's go to the game hotline, and I want to tell you that maybe some not totally explain it, but kind of understand something hit me yesterday to maybe kind of understand some of the the frustration that we've been dealing with as Saints fans. Uh, we'll get to that. But first, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> what, what, what was that uh, realization you had? Well, I think that I think I'm, I, I really start to think what happened was early on the defense wasn't playing well. So the offense had to be a little more aggressive. And if you remember, there was about a three- or four-week period there, and I don't know the exact stretch, maybe like week five to week eight or nine, something like that, where I remember seeing the Saints for that for that three or four games had like was like the most explosive offense in the whole NFL. But they weren't really winning games because they were losing these – they were turning it over too much and they were they were putting up a lot of yards and a fair amount of points, but it wasn't resulting in a lot of wins because they were turning it over too much. And I think at that point that they just said, look, like we have got to calm down with all these turnovers. And I think their, their solution to that was to simplify, be more conservative, take less chances, and then at that same time, the defense started playing better. So they didn't want to go back to having this wide-open offensive attack because they were still so fearful of turning the ball over. So I think they got ultra-conservative on offense, and it just happened to kind of work the second half in that it coincided with the defense getting better once the safeties got a little more comfortable. And they continued that conservative approach throughout, and it was frustrating to us to watch, but I think it was all stemmed from that – that fear of that rash of turnovers that they had the first half of the season. Oh yeah. That's um, I think you look at it like they had a vision. Every team does this. Every team has a vision for what we want to do, how we want to look. And uh, Sean Payton, it's a copycat league. 
you can look at specific players that did X, Y, Z that had success and they made it deep into a playoff run or a Super Bowl appearance or victory. So uh, Aquaman was supposed to be like a Percy Harvin, Tyler Lockett type. Yeah, uh, I the did Broncos. Now. Uh, uh, Merritt, this kid, he's number 33 now. He's supposed to be uh, Samuel from the 49ers. Like, they saw what that guy did last year with all the jet sweeps and end arounds and trick plays, and they said, let's do our best version to copy that. And that's what Merritt is supposed to be. But he's an undrafted free agent. He was on the practice squad. But as the year has progressed, he's getting on the field a little bit more and more. And they, they lined him up as a wingback. You know, so you're going to see him motion, orbit screens, all that kind of stuff. But the frustrating thing is, whenever you play conservative, you need that dump truck slash two by four. You yeah. need Murray. You need how would the season have gone out if Murray was on the roster the whole season? I, I agree. I would last. Uh, it would have helped. Now last season they were so injured and on offense, it may not have mattered, but it would have certainly helped. But go ahead. Well, that's the key word is injuries, and obviously everyone says it. Not every team deals with it, but the Saints the last two seasons have been. What, what, can you think was last year worse than this year, or are they about the same? Yeah, statistically last year was worse, yes. Okay, well, let's just look at, you know, it's again the people that do the microwave society. fire the, They want to fire Dennis Allen. They want to scorch earth start the team from scratch, blah, blah, blah. How about, uh, like, with uh, Sean Payton, it's pretty much a similar record to what we had last year with Genius. Uh, so what's the difference? But the point I'm trying to make is with the uh, with Jameis, when you look at, like, I know what you're, under, what you're saying, that he didn't play in actual games. But look at the games that he played in last year with no receivers, and look at the game – uh, again, it was very frustrating, but he broke his back. He had a torn, I don't know, something in his foot was torn. Is he injury prone? I don't know. But if you look at, what was it, the fourth quarter against Atlanta, that's what the vision was. We're, we're gonna be doing, if you could do that 50% of the time, you'll be okay. And then on top of that, when you play defense or, or interior defensive line, I would draft an interior. I want to get another uh, Sheldon Rankins. That's what I would do. Maybe a guy from Ohio State. But uh, the thing with Dennis Allen is he checks a lot of boxes for what I like. And I, I would rather a stoic-style coach than a guy kind of like, uh, what's his name, Kirby Smart. But I'll, I'll leave you with this, with the college NCAA championship. Definitely go TCU and go Detroit against Green Bay. But, uh, man, I just, I'm really sick of this, the, like you say, with the NCAA and versus pro football. Like, how many times are these teams that don't have to play, they don't win their championship for their conference? So the lower seed gets a bye week, and the hotter seed has to play in the wild card round, essentially. That's backwards. But I, I can't stand that. Thanks, I, Kevin. I appreciate the call, sir. Thanks. Uh, um. I can I can buy a little bit into the TCU thing. Ah, just man, I you know it's an NFL game, like someone said to me last week. So, do you give the Lions a chance? Yeah, but I, I'm struggling to. I'd be I'd struggle to pick the Lions, but boy, I would love if the Lions would beat the Packers. That would be awesome. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. What's going on, brother Kale? How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, my brother. I bet you are. I bet you are. 
So what uh, you gonna do? I bet you are. What y'all gonna do with Brock Purdy? Man, um, he look good, Kevin. I mean, I mean, he making throws that that Jimmy. I guess Jimmy didn't try to make. I I, I don't know from from what what I see. I mean, he moves the offense since he's been playing. He's been going over thirty points, and Debo been out. So that's that's like a pot and Mitchell been out. So. They're all practicing now, so I don't know if they're going to hold them out tomorrow, Mitchell and Debo. I mean, um, Sunday. What y'all going to do with Lance? I, he got, you going, I don't know, Kevin. I, that's what I was asking the expert, you, man. I oh. mean, what you think? And then they got some people think Tom Brady's going there next year. Yeah, I heard that too. But I, I mean. I think he's going to the Raiders. I really do. Yeah, but I. I mean, I don't think the Niners should do that because you want to develop your young quarterbacks. You, I mean, if Brady come, he's going to want by two years, and then now you, you mess up your development of your quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I, if I, I wouldn't do the Brady thing. I'm just saying some people are saying that. I got to tell you, I, I, look, I haven't – I saw Brock Purdy play a little bit. I don't know enough about – if they think Brock Purdy can be better than Jimmy G – I would just ride it because especially the way that they play that that y'all play football. I I, I don't know. I I just think Lance to expect him next year to play at a good level when he when he's basically been doing nothing but watching for 2 years or really for 3 years. I I, I don't I don't know if you can count on him next year. Yeah, but what would you do if you know like if Purdy bring it like he would have to almost Go to the Super Bowl, help us win the Super Bowl, make some throws that he the reason why we won the Super Bowl because of the throws that he made. And then the next season, then it would have to really make a decision on who gonna start. But what you think you would have to start? Yeah, I, I, Trey Lamb, but you gave up too much for Trey Lamb. I don't know. I, I'd be confused. I don't know. It's a I mess. No, it's a it's a it's a complicated situation. But if you do go to the Super Bowl, what you gonna do with that cat? But if you win it, I don't. It don't matter to me as long as I got one. I know you can't win it every year, Kevin. Yeah. As long as I got one, I, then they, they do what they got to do. But I mean, I don't know what you do. It's like you trade Trey Lance and and stick stick with Purdy. Or would, I mean, I, I don't understand. But once you win a Super Bowl, if you was in our position, if that was the Saints and y'all had that and y'all won the Super Bowl. You would go back with that rookie quarterback to follow you, or you would take that draft pick that you picked. I, I would, want, would want the want Saints. That. I would want the Saints to trade Trey Lance and get as much oh, for okay. him as you can. That's what I would want. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. And they might be able to pull that off. Yeah. Yeah, because Philly, their quarterback hurts, so you just you just never know. Yep. All right. Well, I got to get to a timeout. I appreciate good hearing from you, sir. All right. Thank you. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour next on the game. <clears throat> Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers. World Series champion Houston Astros. Want to tell you about an opportunity here at Delta Media where we have lots of fun. If you're looking for a career change, and have any type of sales experience from retail to telemarketing and anything in between the Delta Media wants to hear from you. Email your resume to sales director John Ed Cochran at J Cochran, J-C-O-C-H-R-A-N at Delta Media Corp dot com. 
or call 896-1600. Call 896-1600. No, um, we've kind of hinted at the quarterback scenarios, obviously, with the Saints and, and across the NFL. But the cheaters have as complicated... Now, there, there, you could argue, I guess, there's somewhat of a, a, a dealing from a position of strength in that it, the way they play football is so team-oriented, defensive-oriented, run-the-ball-oriented that they can make a lot of quarterbacks work. Um, again, I hate the cheaters. I've, I've hated them for four, for four decades, but I love the way they play football. Uh, I, that's how it should be in my mind. But... Um, I, uh, I, if I'm them, I just, I would not. I, of course, he knows. they Their coaches know whether Trey Lance has shown them enough, I would think. But it's a complicated quarterback situation. And the Brock Purdy just makes it even more complicated. That's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Do you have- Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. For the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros, simulcast on Stadium 32.3-133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline. It's 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. If you would like to get in, uh, not this segment, but the next one we'll be talking uh, McNeese with their play-by-play announcer, Tom Hafer, and then after that we'll be talking lots of NFL and going into the final weekend of the regular season. And, again, if you have any early thoughts or any thoughts – on the national championship game. I know we're going to be talking about that quite a bit on Monday, but it's not too early to talk about that, certainly on this Friday. So certainly feel free to do that as well. Cajun men's basketball had a big win last night. We talked about that quite a bit about an hour ago. So if you would like to comment on that, if you were at the game or even if you weren't and you would like to comment on that big victory, certainly feel free to do so on that as well. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. I mentioned it last hour to go through and look at all the matchups, all the division matchups that essentially are just wasted. Now, fortunately, because of how kind of weird this season has been. Most of them have some implications. So I think the NFL's coming out a little better than 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 they often are in that there's a pretty good chance that the winner of a lot of these games it's not going to matter at all. But at least for some of them there's like technically something still on the line. Technically. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Well, happy New Year there, buddy. Happy New Year. Kevin, I think it's it's official right now. I'm number one rival. It's probably gonna. I think it's gonna filter down to all the sports. It's gonna be a southern. I agree. Uh, we talked about that yesterday. I agree. Uh, but it, 
that, that, that crawly, that, that cat that, that, that owned this uh, region. Boy, he's cocky, huh? You know, I, after the first media timeout, he scored, I think, one of his only buckets the whole night. And he just walked in front of the ball and all thing, but he was flexing uh, a little cocky and so big. The boy was so good to see. Uh, you know, he looks he a little bit like a fish. <laughs> I love that. I the the man's developing some. I I I think you you know you follow baseball, so you already have a certain idea about Southern Miss from baseball. Is, 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 is that their model? Does it be cocky? The whole ever ever sport like that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so, but you know what? If that's the case, and it'll it'll make uh it, it'll it'll speed up that whole sport hatred process like we've been we were talking about even more. So good. You know, I, what I saw from the Cajuns last night with what I, ha- I think they've been missing is a sense of urgency at the beginning of the game. Yes. You know, they always seem to, show, they seem to show it like later on when they're way behind or at the end. They showed it that they had to kill a instinct from the jump, and that was the difference of that game. Once they got on top, that was it. You know, they play. They, they even mentioned it last night in the postgame presser is that they played harder. And I think what that means is they played more aggressively on defense and – uh, Coach Marlin even commented that four of the players asked to come out of the game just because they were tired and they knew that they needed a breather because they were playing that extra hard. And, uh, you know, you, I guess you can't do that in every game, but that was one of the games they really need to do it. But they need to come closer to that in more future games. Yes, and i tell you what, the star of the game, no doubt what's uh, was, uh, was going in. He took fish lips out of it. And he was a firing away in three points. I'm like, God, did he have did he have a missed one? I don't think he did. If he did, it wasn't much. <clears throat> yeah, I think he missed one. Yes. Oh, God, that, that kid played hard. You know, that, that, that uh, a former walk on goes to show you, right? With with uh, with, uh this, this drive and determination, you can get what you get. Because right now, he is one of our better players because of the fact that he plays such good defense. I, I agree, and it, it, it's amazing to me that he is their best perimeter defender when you wouldn't really think that, but he's turned into that, yes. All right, buddy, you have a good one. You too, thank you. Now, I also think, I mean, I think you could, I'm, you know me, I'm not a co-guy, I hate co, but if you were going to do stars of the game, I would have thought, I would. I mean, I probably would have agreed with FedEx man if I, if, I, if there was going to be a vote for the player of the game. I, I'd have said Garnett, but I'd have seriously thought about Themis folks too because Southern Miss did a. They were very intentional about trying to take Jordan Brown away and the way they defended. They so much of their effort was about keeping the ball away from Jordan Brown in the post, and they did a very good job of that. I mean. I think it was at the half. He had like three attempts in the whole first half and and scored like four points or whatever it was. It wasn't much, and he finished with eight. But FEMA's kind of messed that plan up, even though they were largely successful with taking Jordan out the game, by penetrating and creating, and he finished. He was seven of nine shooting, and, and he didn't have like 11 or 12 assists like he sometimes had. I think he only had five, but he still created, and he finished. And it's so important, you know, it's important to penetrate and be able to penetrate, but it's also important to finish. And he, and he was seven of nine shooting. He was able to finish and knock down some free throws. And uh, remember, 
Mike Thomas, the other point guard, he wasn't even on the bench. Like, he he's in concussion protocol since uh, the road trip. And so, Themas had to play serious minutes, and he did he did an outstanding job. Now, what he hadn't been doing is finishing. He's been he's been aggressive, but he hadn't been making his shots. And last night he did. So that that is um that was uh, certainly a big step and a big win for the Cajuns. So again, you know we were talking about so many people are disillusioned with with the Saints, and we kind of talked about it in the last hour, this idea that a lot of the Saints fans, they don't even care if they beat the Arnolds, which is ridiculous. And I, and I know that they're not going to the playoffs and they're not going to have a winning season. And I get that. What is that, the first time in, since 16 that they don't have a winning season? So I get it. I get the disappointment. Believe me. I, feel, I physically... And mentally feel the disappointment. I live the disappointment. I get it. But it's amazing that if the Saints do beat the Arnolds, these are the teams that they could potentially have the same amount of wins as when the season ends. The Patriots, the Dolphins, the Steelers, um, even more maybe depending on whether the Titans who were the number one seed in AFC last year. A lot of people forget about that. <clears throat> the um, Lions, well, that wouldn't be an accomplishment. Most people didn't even think the Lions would have eight, or eight wins. The Packers and the Seahawks wouldn't be a big accomplishment from the preseason because most people thought they were going to be terrible. Like the Seahawks, a lot of people thought they were going to be terrible. If they win... Sunday, they're going to have a winning season. Now, I don't know that they'll make the playoffs. We'll see how that plays out. But they'll they'll have a winning season. And Seattle hosts the Rams. And Seattle should win. Like, they should beat the Rams at home. But, um, but and, and, and have a winning season. And, again, most people thought they were, like, in a major rebuilding deal with the big trade they made. But they got a, they got draft picks, they got um, some good players and a couple good players in return, and Geno Smith, a retread like you might like some people call him, um, turned out to be very good. And I just I know some people they they're so fascinated with the idea of drafting a rookie quarterback and going with it. But what? But again. What if you draft Zach Wilson? What if you draft Sam Darnold? What if you draft Baker Mayfield? What if you draft Josh Rosen? I mean, there's there's so many. Even in an era where the, some of them are doing very well, like you might, you could say, well, you might draft Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you might, probably not, but um. And look, Bobby Scott's won a few games for the Steelers, but. I'd rather take a chance on – I mean, look, I don't want to go down – I don't want to do what the Colts are doing, adding, um, you know, 36 and 37 and 38-year-old quarterbacks who might have one year left. That That's not a good plan. I don't want to go down that road. <clears throat> but I would not mind, in fact, prefer – 
to go down the road of adding someone who's still relatively young that could give you six, seven, eight years left. Like guys like Geno Smith or Derek Carr who have been who have played in the league and have and I'm not saying coming into this season Derek Carr and Geno Smith were on the same level because they weren't, but they kind of are now. And they're young enough to where you're not you're not doing Matt Ryan at the end of his career or Phillip Rivers when he's about to retire. I think too many people are grouping those two, those like four quarterback, you know, Geno Smith. And Derek Carr are not should not be in the same category as Philip Rivers and um, Matt Ryan, who were you know, you know, if it doesn't work out, will probably retire kind of a situation because they're because they're just old at the very end of their career. Now Geno Smith might have been at the very end of career if he had crashed and burned, but he's not at the end, near the end of his career in that. Age-wise, so I, I, I would be careful. I mean, I, I'm still. You, you offer me a rookie, or you offer me a, a guy, but like the 28, 29, 30 year old, 30 year range who has some NFL experience and has shown some flashes of being an effective quarterback. I take that guy over some rookie who might be a to, who might be a total bust. I just, I, I just. You know, by that same token, would you want Sam Darnold? We asked that question last year. Would you want Zach Wilson? No. That guy was the number two overall pick. I would not want that guy. No. Number two. Got to do a lot of losing or make a really good trade to get the number two overall pick. Elite arm and all. What? You want Zach Wilson? Some people wanted Malik Willis. Now, their offense is not good, but, man, I want no part of Malik Willis. Uh, This fascination with all these young quarterbacks, I just, I am, I mean, Chances are one or two of these guys are going to be really good in this draft. We'll see. But I don't want to go down that road. And I know it looks like you might have to. And I guess I can't be really ultra negative if they go that route this year as I would be like any other time in my life. But if you ask me, I still don't want to do it. I want I want, I want, want no part of it. I want no part of it. But – I guess I got to entertain it for the first time, but I really want no part of it. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, shift gears, catch up with the McNeese Cowboys with their play-by-play voice. Mr. Tom Hafer next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Kevin Foote. An award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the host bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. Not a normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. Just out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. 
Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here, here. with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes on the Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. All right, we have with us the voice of the McNeese Cowboys, Mr. Tom Hafer. How are you, sir? I'm great, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Hope you had some great holidays. We did. Uh, I'm sure last night was lots of fun uh, at the Legacy Center. Tell me about it. Uh, Anytime you get a doubleheader sweep the women's and men's over northwestern state in, uh, early in conference season it's a great night when you add in the fact that joe dumars was there they brought a big crowd in and had all the pomp and circumstance with the dedication of the floor to him and his name uh, and it was well done and and uh i think joe just set a record for most handshakes in a single day by someone other than a politician last yes. night because he was a busy man greeting everybody but he he endured it very well. It was it was really fun. Now, my my memory from talking to you is that you have some Midwest roots. So, I mean, I'm sure you you followed him. Had you ever met him? Like when like during his playing days, or were you a fan? Did you root against him? Uh, like way back from when he was with the Pistons. You know, I really like the the Bad Boys Piston teams. I, I grew up near St. Louis in Southern Illinois. I was actually born in the, the Detroit suburbs back in the early 60s. Um, and so I had some uh, fandom of, uh, of the Detroit teams. I used to like the Tigers as my American League team and the Cardinals as the, the uh, National League team. Um, and, and I kind of picked up the Pistons at some point in the 80s when they were good. And I, it was just, I hated the Celtics and the Lakers, so I was always rooting for the Pistons to win those games. But Joe Dumars, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't from here where, where he was famous, and he was kind of an anonymous guy as a as an NBA player. He was so quiet, uh, so professional. It was the Rodmans and the John Sallies and the Mahorns and the Lambiers that, that got all of the attention on the bad right. boys teams. Uh, so, so no, I didn't know much about him until I moved here in 1988 and realized that uh, you know that he was uh, from McNeese and was a uh, you know hometown hero here and married a girl from Lake Charles and all the rest. Of course, my wife went to McNeese during the time that, that uh, uh, he played here, and she gave me all the stories of how packed the Civic Center used to be and how much fun it was. The You know, you mentioned Northwestern State, and we've been talking this week uh, on the show. I, I'm a big um, sports rivalry, sports hatred guy. I think it's important, and I think it's one of the things that the Cajuns hopefully having like Southern Miss they played last night, they can develop more of a, of a – have a real natural rival – in the time that you've been in McNeese, I mean, obviously, geographically, it would seem like it would be Lamar, but would you say Lamar, or would you say Northwestern State, or would you say Southeastern or Nichols? Like, how would you rank the top two or three, like, rivals, sports-hatred rivals for most McNeese fans? Yeah, the, the, there's the old rivalry with with UL, and, and that's still huge in the older crowd, you know, the, the folks that remember back in the 80s and, and 70s and that kind of stuff. The more modern, younger fans, it's Lamar, number one. Uh, Northwestern is a big rivalry, but it's, it's really weird. It's a very friendly rivalry. There's a tremendous amount of respect, and you 
can't imagine how many different um, different coaches in various sports have been assistants at one place and a head coach at the other and vice versa. Back in the 2000s when, uh, when Tommy Tate was the head coach for, uh, for the McNeese Cowboys in football um, and uh, Northwestern, um, they, uh, they fired their coach and, and, and hired one of our assistants. who was a, was a Northwestern grad, and he brought about half of the, of the coaching staff up there with him. So we knew everybody. There was, there was a time where, you know, you're saying hi to old friends. Uh, you want to beat the crap out of them on the football field or on the basketball court. But, but these are guys you've been on road trips with or had a beer with or, right. or interviewed many times, et cetera. And Northwestern has always been really a, a very friendly and cordial rivalry. Uh, which is strange in college, college sports, to be quite honest. Usually it's bitter hatred and, and all the rest. But, no, we get, we had a long way with those guys. We just want to beat them. Um, the victory puts you at 2-0 and in the conference. And we talked about it about a month ago. You never know how to this playing a really brutal early season schedule. It can injure you depending on the sport. It can demoralize you. You can lose confidence and never really get it back. But so far, it seems to have worked in that you played all these really, really good teams. And most of them are probably better than you. And yet, it yep. seems like it's made you tougher. I, no question about it. Coaching uh, The coaching staff, John Aiken in particular, made a strategic change as well in going to a smaller lineup about – four weeks ago, um, the, the team had already started playing better. They, they had just a miserable beginning to the season and were, were, were in disarray, say, back around Thanksgiving time. But, but you know, in December they were starting to play better. Uh, and and it, what he was trying to do was win the rebounding battle, and, and he was successful in that. They were, they were beating, you know, good big teams in, in the rebounding battle by five, six, seven rebounds a game. But they were turning the ball over so darn much. That he finally just said, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to a to a shorter, smaller, more guard oriented offense and or, or lineup, and it has worked tremendously well. And part of that is because Christian Shoemate, he was playing the four position at six seven, which is kind of small for a four player, right? But they, they moved him to the post, and he's been dominant since that time because he's so athletic at six seven, and his leaping ability is so good, his rebounding ability is so good." That's really helped out, but just the ball handling and the the, the, the lack of uh, of turnovers and, and the improvements in that game um, has been has been really important as well. Uh, plus, it's they it just reduced the, the number of guys in the rotation a bit as well, and those guys have figured out how to play together. They they were great last night, and and Harmon Francois is a guy that that hasn't really. Doesn't always see that much playing time. He went off for 20 points in the first half last night. He hit his first three three pointers in the first like three minutes of the ball game, and and really just set the tone for the win last night. So there's been a lot of changes that have, that have gone on, and and to your point, yeah, I do think that playing the tough schedule early on uh, it really helped. They had no real no real um, anticipation of winning some of those ball games, so losing them didn't you know, crush their uh, their confidence or anything like that. Uh, and then those changes came along and they really blossomed. Has the free throw shooting improved? <laughs> it was great last night. Uh, 13 for 13. Oh, which, wow. Which yeah. is pretty miraculous. But part of that is that Christian Shoemate only went to the line once and he hit. So, 
<laughs> so that was part of it. But yeah, they were they were the shooting percentages last night were tremendous. I think it was fifty four percent from the field, like forty five percent from uh, three point range, and then a hundred percent at the line. Uh, that is uh, that will will go well. And it, it, you know that's another part of of going smaller. They've got more guys going to the line who are are uh, you know the typical two and three players rather than the fours and the fives. So is it too early? I mean, do you have any kind of sense of how the league's going to shake out? Because sometimes, you know, you pick a team first or second or third and they finish fifth or sixth yeah. or seventh. I mean, uh, do you have any kind of sense or it's going to take another couple of weeks for that, you think? I'm sure there's still a lot to, to occur. That they, some of the teams are still pretty banged up. McNeese is really only going with eight scholarship guys right now because of injuries. But uh, but like I said, I think narrowing the rotation down a little bit helped in, in a lot of ways. Uh, so there's there's teams that have that going on. A&M Commerce uh, – no, I'm sorry, A&M Corpus Christi. we got two A&Ms in the conference yeah, now. I'll yeah, never get, get them right. It's yeah. guaranteed that I'll mess that up. A&M uh, Corpus Christi, who's last year's – uh, uh, last year's champion, they are they were the, the preseason favorite, and and they look really really strong. And that's the Cowboys' opponent on Saturday, so that will be a pretty good uh, measuring stick. You know, a home game against those guys. Um, they uh, Northwestern, gosh, they were so good in the preseason, the pre-conference season that people were thinking that maybe they were a conference contender. And now they're only two. They lost to A um, and Corpus, and now to McNeese. So um, maybe not. Uh, maybe they just got off to a hot start and haven't really improved like some of the others have. So uh, I'm looking at A&M Corpus Christi as the, as the best in the early going and uh, quite a few other teams, Nichols and Southeastern and some others that have a really good chance of being good as well. Cowboys are still a wild card in my estimation. The 2 and our oh start really gives me some reason for, uh, for some optimism, but uh, they still got some tough opponents and, and still got some things to prove. Well, if I'm if I'm the demons, I'm thinking last night was a buzzsaw kind of situation too. Game in like you know with everything going on in the big crowd. And, yeah, you know. So no question, it yeah. was it was a perfect storm. The the Cowboys just came out completely on fire, shooting in the early going, like we mentioned with with Francois hitting the threes, and and the Cowboys got out to a twenty. I think it was twenty to ten after about five minutes, and. Uh, um, you know, scored forty six points in the first half. That's halfway to ninety. You know, they they are they they were really really ablaze. Northwestern played them even about the rest of the way after the first say seven eight minutes of the ball game, uh, and some of that was just adrenaline in the crowd and all that. It, it was it was uh, like I said, the perfect storm for them to come together and have that performance. Now I saw your coach when the Cajuns went there, and he's not exactly stoic. So would does does his feet even touch the ground at the end of that game? <laughs> Coach Aiken, and uh, there there are times you know that without the students there right now, last night's crowd was was let's face it, it was a geezer crowd because you got all these people that were there with you know coming for Joe Dumars who they saw forty years ago at Mankeese, and so it was it was an older crowd. And uh, there was a time where the, the Cowboys were on a roll. I think they'd hit a couple of three-pointers in a row. or Yeah, they, they had a three-pointer, stole the ball, hit another three-pointer. And Northwestern State called a timeout. And uh, the crowd was politely clapping, you know. And Coach Aiken got out there, and he was leaping around trying to get the crowd into the ball game. I believe because, it. Hey, you got to train these guys. They're, they're old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I certainly remember, you know, I was in high school during the Joe Dumore's era, and I certainly, you know, I was pulling for the Cajuns, obviously lived here my whole life. But 
I certainly remember it very much. He was obviously a great player and had a great career. So that must have been quite a night. Could certainly appreciate all that. Now, what can that mean moving forward, do you think, for the program? Well, it's having Joe Dumar's name on the court is, uh, let's face it, that is a really good thing as a recruiting mechanism. Now, you know, some of the guys – some of the guys that are uh, these recruited at 17, 18 years old, they may not know who Joe Dumars is. Right. But their parents do, I promise you. And, uh, and of course, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's still an NBA executive and, uh, uh, and you know, former vice president of the business, et cetera, et cetera. He's pretty well known in the area. Uh, it, that helps a lot. And, and, you know, this is a mutual agreement with Joe Dumars and the and this program. Look, Joe, we're going to honor you and, and uh, we get to exploit your name for everything it's worth by having it right there on the court. And it's a, it's a happy exploitation, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, it sounded like a great experience. Uh, congratulations for all of that. And we appreciate your time. And uh, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Oh, oh thanks. Uh, appreciate it, Kevin. Anytime. All right. Thank you very much. Tom Hafer, McNeese play-by-play announcer for the Cowboys and again you never know like playing these brutal like they were you know they played the Cajuns and they played Houston and just all these really big teams and and obviously they didn't win they almost beat the Cajuns but they didn't and um and that can that can cripple you or it can make you stronger and it seems like so far it's made them stronger so we'll see how that goes how that we'll kind of monitor that as the season goes on. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, talk more to you on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. And so we were talking earlier today about the the NFL schedule and one of the games that it does not matter is the Saints and the Arnolds and the poll question um, for RP3 show was, do you care? And only 60% of the people that that uh, responded said they cared whether the Saints beat the Arnolds. I just, again, I, I, I'll never get that. By the way, and it shouldn't be this way, but the Saints lead the all-time series between the Arnolds and the Saints, 29-27. So it's still close. Now, it should be much different than that. But the NFL, you know, because of its infinite stupidity, in my opinion, and its, its inherent unfairness, sense of unfairness, 
always puts the Saints playing the Arnolds at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, which I hate. Should be playing your your, your you know at the at the be, at the middle of the year where the games have ma- can be ma- the importance of the games can be maximized. And one of the reasons that I feel strongly about that is at least twice, it might have even been three times, that the Saints had their seed clinch at the end of the year and they just gave a game to the Arnolds, just gave it to them because they rested their players, including the quarterback, uh, Drew Brees, because they had their, their seed locked up and just handed them two games. Then last year when the Saints were went, you know, went to Arnoldville with half a coaching staff, and, you know, all these players missing, you know, COVID just handed them that game. They weren't even, it wasn't even a real team that they were, that they were able to field. And then this year was just handed it to them. That wasn't the NFL fault. That was the Saints fault. Just handed them that game. I mean, just so many losses. And it should not be as close, but. They got all these Saints fans, apparently. They don't care if the Saints beat them. They want the Arnolds to get one game behind the Saints in all time. Again, I just just can't. Just thinking about it makes me angry. So I I, want to crush them. Crush them. Of course, like we talked about, hinted at yesterday when Luke was on. The, obviously, the biggest thing they got going against them right now is their secondary has issues. But can you take advantage of those issues? By the way, we have a, I have a new nickname. Luke, dis- Luke made it clear yesterday. Uh, my, my nickname for Andy Dalton is Crawfish. He's red and likes to back up too much. He don't like to step up in the pocket and throw. He likes to back up and get sacked. So the Crawfish, I'm, I, I call um, Andy Dalton. So, can the crawfish throw the ball down the field enough? Can will will Carmichael and or the head coach allow him to throw the ball down the field enough to take full advantage of the questions in the secondary that the Arnolds currently have? We'll see. You know, we'll 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 see. But hopefully, they can finish this out and. Look, eight and nine is not what we envision for the Saints. Not what I envision anyway for the Saints at the beginning of the year. Man, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year they're going to beat the Browns and they're going to beat the Eagles, whoa. I'd have probably predicted at least 12 wins. Of course, they should have swept the Yucks, and they didn't. They should have beat the Vikings, but they got cheated. Um, it, you know, they just handed the game to the Arnolds. That was a ridiculous loss. And if they were playing that team in the middle of the year, I think they would have beat them. Um, of course, they cheated Seattle. So I guess you gotta you gotta take one of those. They 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 should have it. You know, they should be probably a ten win team this year. And I, I thought they would be better than that. I I, I thought they would be better, but the turnovers and more rat, not as bad as last year, but another rash of injuries and just made that not possible. Now, the other thing <clears throat> that we didn't discuss yesterday with Luke is Ramchek was adios in the first series of the game last week. 
So they ended up playing with without three starting offensive linemen against the best sack team in the NFL and Crawfish at quarterback. So that was a bad combination. So it was um, – <clears throat> we'll see. Now, look, the the Arnold's defensive front's pretty good. Now, they again, they got questions in the secondary, but their defensive front is pretty good. So it, I, I don't – and the Saints have done better at stopping the run – but they haven't really still been good at stopping the run. The Eagles and the Browns were just stupid. They they just threw the ball too much, especially the Browns. I mean, what were they doing? It was minus 15 windshield, and them cats kept throwing the football. The announcers were like, what are they doing? Even the announcers were, what are they thinking? So just a couple weeks ago, the Arnolds ran for over 300 yards. 300 yards rushing. And they can throw it. I mean, well, they can throw it a little bit, but they can run it, I meant to say. And if they have success running, they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop like the Eagles didn't run it enough. If I was an Eagle fan, I'd have been screaming, stop throwing the ball. Run it. And I was very glad they kept throwing it with Gardner Minshew. Especially that one pass he threw that I was really fond of. He was kind of throwing from his own end zone. He threw it out to the left flat, and it was picked off and run back for a touchdown. That was the best pass I saw all season. But, um, but no, the Arnolds are not – if they run the ball with effectiveness, they're going to keep running it until the Saints stop it. They're not going to make the same mistake the Browns did. They're not going to make the same mistake the Eagles did. So, you know, that would be shocking to me. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. They're going to keep running it. So the Saints are going to have to, to, you know, strap them on tight and stop the run like they say. I mean, he, they're going to have to. And that's been the biggest problem with this team this year. You know, turnovers were huge. But um, the one area they've got to improve that we talk about over and over even if they don't improve at quarterback, like they could have had the same quarterback play. If they don't turn over the football and stop the run, they have 11 wins. Even with a mediocre quarterback, a journeyman mediocre quarterback. But you can't front fumble the ball as much as the Saints did this year. And you can't be as bad as they were against the run when – for the last three or four years, they were among the best, if not the best team in the whole NFL against the run. That is just was just a bad combination. But no, I mean, I it, it will make it would make it will make if they can get this win Sunday, it will just make you feel better. At least if you're a real Saints fan, it it it, it could it be fool's go? Absolutely, it could be fool's go, but. But it, going into this offseason, it just, I don't know, just would make me feel much better to have eight wins than seven wins and ten losses. It just looks so much better, make you feel so much better. Plus, there's the whole issue of just beating the stupid Arnolds who don't deserve. They, they've had so many cheap victories against the Saints. They don't deserve to get another cheap victory just because you go out there and decide, 
you know, if the play, team is like a lot of the fans, oh, we're just going to lay down and let them beat them. Who cares? The game doesn't matter. Oh, sickening. Sickening. Hopefully that doesn't happen. We'll see. But they got to keep playing well. And that, that, that slim, after Mark Ingram did what he did in Tampa, that so slim chance of making the playoffs, is that what motivated them to play well and now they're going to take it? I, I wouldn't think so. I, I would think they would still be relatively inspired to play this game Sunday um, at home. Uh, against the Arnolds. I, I just hope next year, and, 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 you know, we won't know the schedule to what, April? Normally it's around April. Um, can you just not play the Arnolds in like week two or three? That week two or three game in, in recent years, it's just been a disaster. Like, if they're going to do this two out of three thing or whatever and just play them at the end, I'd rather do that then play him in that, that that stupid week two game early in Orneville like the last two years. Let's hope let's hope that's not the case. But um uh as far as the Saturday game, again, there are games tomorrow. Not all the games seem like it what it seemed like normally they play everybody plays on Sunday. Well, that's not the case this year on the last game of the year I'm talking about. That's not the case. Remember, tomorrow at 3.30, the Chiefs play the Raiders. At 7.15, the Titans play the Jags. Or the, Everything points towards the Jags winning. The Titans have been miserable, miserable the last six weeks. Are they just going to lay down and not win this game? But it just seems like Jacksonville's just playing at a higher level than them. Over the last month, all signs point towards Jacksonville winning. But and I and anybody who would pick Jaguars, that that prediction makes total sense to me. Except for when you look at how feisty the Titans normally are, they just you know their head coach is just a gro- overly aggressive guy, and you would think that. They had enough pride, but to just lay down again when they got a chance to win a division as poorly as they played down the stretch. <clears throat> the Raiders, again, Ra- Raiders played well against the Cheaters last week. They've, they've played really well since the Saints crushed them. And they have a, they match up well with the Chiefs. They haven't won them all. But they've played, They almost every time they played the Chiefs in recent years, it's going down to the wire. So it would not surprise me at all if the Raiders win that game. Um, and how that's going to play into what they do at quarterback next year. Again, if I had to make a prediction, I think that's where Tom Brady's going, the Raiders. But we'll see. So, no, at least some fairly interesting games tomorrow if you would like to um, – <clears throat> watch the NFL on, on on Saturday, which you don't always get, but at the end of the year, we kind of get a steady diet of here and there. And again, there's no Monday night game, and there was no Thursday night game last night, like there is for most of the season. And so the last game this weekend will be the Lions against the Packers, and man, I hope the Lions win, but I just don't see it happening. If they were in Detroit, maybe, but... The Lions' offense at home is just like a completely different animal 
than, than they are when they're on the road. It's way, 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 way more explosive at home than it is on the road, the Lions offense this year. So I don't really give the Lions much of a shot, but I'll certainly be pulling for them to win. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out this week's show. Next on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. If you got for Christmas an Amazon Alexa or a Google Home smart speaker and you're looking at ways to utilize it, how about you do it and listening to the game? Simply ask your Alexa or your Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you, home, office, wherever you go. Well, something that we've been doing here and there, not been doing it consistently this week because the last month has just been like a blur. It's My mind's been gone most of the time. Uh, and so we didn't. But I went back up and catch and caught up on it, so I wanted to get you. And to be honest, the whole our, our QW chart for the season, the last three weeks has been a banner three weeks for the QWs. Uh, three weeks ago, the QWs, uh, the, the, the quarterbacks at a higher level went eight, two, and six, eight games. The the, the team with the, with the higher-level quarterback or the upper-tier quarterback won eight. With a lower-tier quarterback, only won two and six games. They were the same. Two weeks ago, eight, four, and four. And last week, seven, one, and seven. So the last three weeks have been the best three weeks. In other words, down the – and I guess maybe that makes sense. I don't know if it's total coincidence or some coincidence, but I guess you could say it makes sense that as the season goes on, the better quarterbacks kind of rise to the top. So the last three weeks have been the best three weeks for the for the QWs all season. And for those of you who don't know, QW means quarterback worshipers, which I think most of you are if you were honest with yourself. You don't think football is a team game. You think football essentially is a game of horse between quarterbacks. So the, um, the, the, the updated total is 99 wins. For the quarterback, the, the superior quarterback, 62 wins for the inferior quarterback. And, and this number was way too high than I thought when we started this project at the beginning of the year. 90 where there was games where you had essentially quarterbacks on the same level. They were either elite versus elite or mediocre versus mediocre or bottom level versus bottom level type quarterbacks. So. 99, 62, and 90. And for most of the year, it was around 500. But the, at the, during the stretch drive, to be honest, the QWs, have, uh, they've had three banner weeks. So we'll see what happens in the final week and um, going into it. Again, I had no idea what to expect from this. Uh, and most of the year, again, it was around 500. But it is not finishing that way. All right. That'll do it. Appreciate the guests and the phone calls. Y'all have a nice weekend.